Coming to you from the Woodland Baptist Ministry Center, home of the Woodland Baptist Church, on the 20th of November, 2022. Done on purpose. Thanksgiving. Did you catch that last verse? Even so, Lord, quickly come. Take us home. We're ready to go. What a promised blessing that we have in Christ. That this life is not it. This is a precursor to presence. Oh, you want this on? Oh, how's that? Is that better? Repeat the first part. It didn't get recorded. It got recorded. (laughs) No, just one of the many blessings that we have in Christ is the hope that we have as believers that he'll take us home to be with him for all eternity. That song touched on it and is certainly worthy of thinking about on this time of Thanksgiving. Well, I did want to uh, prepare a message for Thanksgiving. And so... I had to laugh at myself because I had this thought and that thought and the other thought. And where do you go? I just threw them all into the pile. It's sort of like cornucopia, lots of different things coming out today. One of the first verses that came to mind then took me down another road and And so I'm going to take you there too. I was reading in Psalm 8. If you want to turn to Psalm 8. The title on my psalm says, How Majestic is Your Name. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. He says, out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and your avenger. Well, we won't go through the whole song, but I wanted to look at these next two verses because this got me thinking. It says, when I look at your, at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, to which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? So my first thought has to do with what God thinks about us as part of our thanksgiving. And I will put it this way. Mankind seems insignificant, and we're going to underscore that in a minute, and yet we're treasured by the Lord, treasured by God. We may seem insignificant, but we're still treasured by God. You can see a little website there in your notes if you have the notes. I glean some of the information about to share with you from that website. And uh, 
and I wanted to give it to you so that you could go and play with it. Basically, it is something where you can set up your own solar system, depending on what size sun you have or what size, and then go from there. So I, I made up a sun. There it is, in all its glory. It's uh, approximately five and a half inches in diameter on my piece of paper. And uh, the true diameter is 864,000 miles across. Okay? And I shrunk it down to five and a half inches. Okay, the next... Next planet in the solar system from the sun is Mercury. Its diameter is 3,031 miles. If we were going to make it proportional in size, there it is. I don't know if you can see the little arrow. It's pointing to the dot, which even with my glasses, I have a hard time seeing. So we have the sun and Mercury. The next one is Venus. It's also huge. In fact, if you were to look at Psalm 8 and you were to read verse 4, it says, What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? And there's a question mark at the end of verse 4. If you look at the dot at the bottom of the question mark, in relationship to size, that's how big Venus is. And then Earth, also 7,926 miles in diameter, also shrunk. Okay, now these are only the first three planets from the sun. But I'm going to show you something else. And I can give this one to Larry, first of all. So Larry, if you would take this one. And go stand by the organ, please. Okay. The next one is... <clears throat> Mercury, and uh, Don, if you will, come. And you can hold this. Can you see that, Don? Don? With the arrows pointing to it? Can you see it? Well. Okay. Now, if Dan was, Don, excuse me, if Don was going to stand in proportion to, um, the sun, how far away would he have to be 
Do you have an idea? Anybody? Would it be closer than that? Yes. No. Actually, right here. If you could come and stand right here. Okay? So then we have Venus. Tom, would you come? And Tom is going to stand right in front of the numbers for the songs. Okay? And then we have Earth. Mike? You can go stand in the corner. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, Earth is in trouble here, though. Okay. Given the size of the sun and the size of the planets in proportion, this is also the proportion of space. Now, the reason I stopped with these three planets is pretty obvious. The next person would be standing out in the cold, right? <laughs> okay. If we went all the way out to that non-planet, which we call Pluto, we would be a great distance away. Okay, gentlemen, if you just put it, put the, your piece of paper approximately close to where you are. Thank you, you may be seated. So let's go back to Psalm 8 for a moment. He says, when I look at your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars, would you have set in place? Lord be with them. What is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Okay, what size was earth over here? In relationship to our sun, it was just a dot, right? Like a period at the end of a sentence. Now, obviously, all of us are crammed on it right now, right? But we go in relationship to what God has created. Even the planet itself is insignificant. If we were to keep the same ratio and go to the next star away from us, Alpha Centauri, we would place Alpha Centauri from our sun in Orlando by scale. Gives you an idea. When we talk about space, we're talking about lots and lots of space. Most of the time when we see a little picture of the solar system, they have a little model set up with the different planets. We have the sun and then we see the planets and they want to draw them large enough so that you can actually see the different ones. But you would see how big the sun would have to be if we were going to draw planets that were even this tall. If Earth was going to be this tall, the sun would have to be huge. 
And the distance, well, it wouldn't become a great illustration for me because <laughs> we'd be out of here. But let's take the two terms that the psalmist use. He says, when I look at your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars, the very closest, closest uh, entity in space to earth is the moon. We said that the diameter of the earth the diameter of Earth is 79,026 miles. The distance to the moon is 238,000 miles. Just to the moon. And we go out at night and we look at the moon and we go, isn't that beautiful? Big full moon, bright stars. The closest one of those stars is Alpha Centauri. It's 1,060,529 miles away. And you go, whoa. Actually, that's mistaken. That's the size of it. The distance to that star is 25 trillion miles. And we go out and we look at a starry night and we go, oh, look. The moon, there it is. And how big is the moon? Oh, it's just about that big. <laughs> and the stars all twinkling in the star in the heavens. The closest one, 25 trillion miles. And the psalmist goes, when I look at your heavens and the work of your fingers, because scripture tells us he created it all. He spoke it into existence. The moon, that closest one, or even the closest star, which you have set in place, says, what is man that you're mindful of him? and the Son of Man, that you care for him. He says, it's mind-boggling the immensity of our solar system and the universe. And he says, now let's shrink it down. If you ever have an opportunity to visit uh, the observatory at Palomar down in California, they have, a, they have an interesting thing that goes around the outside of the observatory. It's, it is pictures that they have put. And they start with, you are here. <laughs> You're here at the observatory. And then they back out and he says, if we were to take a picture from space, this is where on earth you are looking at the earth. Then it backs out, of course, with diagrams. He says, then it backs out to the edge of the universe. <clears throat> and he says, yeah, you're right there. And then it backs out, and, and you can see this thing goes on and on. And you walk around, and you go, I've long disappeared out of this. 
you walk back around and you go, why would God be concerned about me? And yet scripture says, we're made in his image. And it's to us that the son of God was sent. Mankind is seemingly insignificant. When you look at all that and you start to ponder that, it hurts your head a little bit. <clears throat> and you really can't grasp. I mean, you get the concept, but it's hard to grasp that. I mean, we used to go and visit my folks in, in Southern California when they lived there. We'd hop in the car and we would drive on a Sunday afternoon all through the night and get there the next day, Monday, collapse, hand the kids off to, to the grandparents and go to bed. But it would be like 18 hours of driving, 1,000 miles. <laughs> and you go, the numbers that we're crunching here, what we're talking about, is so far beyond that scope. But with that in mind, Luke 12 has something interesting to say. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Well, obviously inflation to today. But he says, and not one of them is forgotten by God. He says, five sparrows and they're all accounted for by God. He says, why? Even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are far more valuable than many sparrows. You should be insignificant. And yet, you're treasured by God. Is there grounds for thanksgiving anywhere here? I think so. The psalmist David, having written Psalm 8, which we started with, also wrote Psalm 139. And of course, that is a treasure trove of information. But in Psalm 139, verses 17 and 18, he writes these words. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Our God, who spoke the universe into, into being. And scripture tells us, and upheld it with the word of his power. Says, I'm here for you. You wake up in the morning, guess who's there? The Lord, he hasn't left. Seemingly insignificant, 
yet treasured by God. Is there a reason for Thanksgiving? Absolutely. Well, I'm going to take it a turn. I told you you're getting sort of a potpourri of flavors here. How many have trouble giving thanks when things are good? That's usually not too much problem, right? What about when things are not going well? Believers can give thanks to God even during times of trouble when they are filled with the Spirit. Believers can give thanks to God even during times of trouble when they are filled with the Spirit. That shouldn't be a hard concept for us to grasp. Why? Because the holiday in these United States was crafted around a time of trouble. Pilgrims, when they came, of course, it wasn't the United States then, but when they came to America and they got established there, there was Guanto, a Native American who showed them how to plant, how to raise a harvest. And in that first year of being in the new land, those that came on, on the Mayflower, half of them died. We talked about that in time. They came over on a ship using the space here that we have, they came over a ship that was as long as this room is wide. The space that they lived in was narrower than the width of this room, this way. All those families lived there. When they got to the new world, they had to make a place for them to live. And then they had to survive that first winter, half of them, half of them passed away. In what we come to celebrate as Thanksgiving was born out of adversity. These people came to this country for the freedom to worship. And when they were faced with so many lives lost, what did they do? Came time, harvest, they stopped and gave thanks to God. And I mean, there were families that were totally wiped out. There were some where mom and dad died and all that was left was a kid or two. Seemed to be indiscriminate going through the whole of the group. We see examples of that also in the Old Testament. Of course, that familiar story, all I have to do is say his name and, and we have the backdrop, Job. Job in the first chapter of that book records 
the context for his thanksgiving. And in Job chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, we have his statement. But what just preceded this was the destruction of his business and all of his family, all of his children died. What would be our response if our business was gone in a day? Our livelihood was gone in a day. And immediately what fell right after that was our family was wiped out. What would we say? How would we respond? Listen to what Job said. Job chapter 1. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell on his ground, and worshipped. Worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I shall return. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Believers can give thanks to God even during times of trouble when filled with the Spirit. I put it that way because of what is recorded in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we like that book has got some great teaching. But in Ephesians chapter 5, he talks about a, a quality that we like to discuss sometimes. It's talking about being filled with the Spirit. He said, don't be drunk with wine, that's debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. By the way, if you're not a, a song person, if you can't carry a tune in a bucket or a bathtub, doesn't much matter. Where's the melody supposed to be? In the heart. Okay? If you ever called on in service and he says, turn the page so-and-so, we're going to sing this song, and you go, they don't want me to open my mouth. That's fine. Keep your mouth shut. But read the words. Listen to the tune. See if it resonates with your heart. Now, if you've got a voice, even if you're not on key, and you want to sing, let it fly. Okay? I don't care about off-key singing. It doesn't bother me one bit. Where I want it to come from is the heart. And that's what, that's what uh, Paul wrote to the church there in Ephesus. By the way, they knew Paul. He had spent some time with them. He had spent a couple of years teaching and ministering in that town. And he says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord, your heart, one of the byproducts of being filled with the Spirit. But he goes on. Giving thanks always 
and for everything to God in the, in the to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said you should have a song in your heart and you have thanksgiving to give to God. On this day of thanksgiving, he says, give thanks always and for everything. So what Job was talking about what Job experienced, what those pilgrims experienced, wasn't grounds for despair. It was grounds for thanksgiving. And you go, Pastor, that's, that's a toughie. That's why I need to be filled with the Spirit. Why? As Job said, we need to be taken through the circumstances to see the provider. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He shows us what's going on behind the scene and that God is still in control. God has not left his, had dropped his grip on us. We are still in his hand. He is still watching over us and he's using this. Are you ready for this? To draw us closer. I find it most interesting to talk to people who profess to know the Lord and hard times come and they want to walk away from him. When in fact, what scripture tells us that we should be doing is running to him. Say, God, I don't get this. I don't understand it. It's beyond my comprehension. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be your name. Not, what have you done? Now, Job's wife said that. Job says, why don't you just curse God and get over this? Curse God and, and die. And he said, no. And sort of to summarize these two points. We're not insignificant. We're treasured by God. And even in the hardest time, God's desire for us to give thanks is more specifically stated. It is God's will that believers give thanks. And you go, huh? And we've been talking about that? You go, no, you missed it. It is God's will that we give thanks. You say, how many times a person has come to me and said, do you know what God's will for my life is? They don't much like it if I say things like this. It's God's will that in every circumstance you give thanks. That's not what I meant. I want to know who should I marry? What kind of job should I take? Where should I move? He said, well, God's will for you, I can absolutely, without doubt, tell you unequivocally, he wants you to be thankful. Other things too, but that's one of them. Titus 2, 11 and 4, through 14 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, 
waiting for that blessed hope which we were singing about. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. What is a good work? Well, you know I had to get to this verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, about this time, if you're sitting with a loved one, this is elbow time. You know, conviction by proxy. It's talking about you. No, this is about me. It says, the will of God in Christ Jesus, not for the person you're sitting next to. Well, that's true too, but for you. Colossians 3, 16. So that the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's kind of sad, I suppose, that a pastor would preach on Thanksgiving around Thanksgiving. Probably should be preaching in, in the Ides of March. I don't know. Some of the time of the year. Why? Some we're supposed to do all the time. So let me ask you a question. Are you prepared for Thanksgiving? How many are, are prepared for Thanksgiving? Okay? And if somebody said, are you ready for Thanksgiving, what do you usually think of? Have I got the turkey? You know, is this fixings ready to go? Do we have people coming? Who's coming? we got all those kind of things in our hearts and mind. But I'm, I'm asking a different question. Are you ready to give thanks? Are you ready to give thanks? Who are, who are you going to give thanks to? Well, that's pretty obvious. We've been talking about give thanks to the Lord. But it's interesting that as we look at several of these passages, including our original Psalms in Psalm 8 and Psalm 139, he talks about giving testimony to the Lord, but out loud so somebody else can hear about. So you ready to give thanks? Have you gotten in mind some people that you just burst in to tell about the greatness of God to them? Are you excited about the prospect of sharing what God is doing in your heart and life this week with them? Is there a melody that's bubbling in your heart that may not come out in a tune? depending how musical you are. 
but certainly is going to come out on your lips as you give testimony with thanksgiving to them. Are you ready for thanksgiving? All these things given to stir us to the place of declaring the greatness of our God. Let's take some time this week. Reflect on these things. Ponder them. And then proclaim them to the Lord and to others. So that they might be recipients of what we received. That is thanksgiving. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, that you would be mindful of us is mind-boggling. But how can we help but not return all your daily benefits at least to be vocalized in return? Giving thanks. May our, our walk reflect the character of our walk with you. May our words reflect the thinking that we have in you. May our heart and mind be set on you. May we build, be filled with thanksgiving. Whether bad things are going on or not, blessed be the name of the Lord. We give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.